0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Now, it's summertime, and that means it's time to start getting our trail cameras ready and our trail cameras out to start capturing pictures of velvet bucks. And our friends at Exodus are kicking things off with Velvet Fest. Now, what is Velvet Fest? Long story short, Velvet Fest is the opportunity for you to win a variety of different prizes just by purchasing Exodus Trail Cameras, one of the best trail cameras on the market. Now, until July 12th, when you purchase any trail camera, you will be automatically entered into a drawing to win a variety of prizes from companies like wicked tree gear maven rifle scopes tethered tree saddles and of course exodus trail cameras be sure to follow exodus on facebook and instagram and be sure to visit exodusoutdoorgear.com for more information on velvet fest Hey everyone, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. And today we are continuing with this epic story series that we've been doing the last couple weeks. Uh, I really enjoy these uh, stories because, at the end of the day, that's what all this is about. It's about the memories, it's about experiences, it's about the stories that we can share with others about how awesome hunting is. And today's uh, Today's episode is no different. We're going to be talking with three-time guest, Brett Smith, and he talk. he's going to share this awesome story about how he has the perfect tree stand location. He's got the perfect wind. He's got the perfect access route, and then he drops his release as a big buck is coming in and uh, that's that's what today's uh, podcast is about it's a really cool story i hope you guys enjoy it i love talking about these types of stories with those guys so um i hope you guys enjoy it now before the can't even talk right now before we get into today's podcast right we got to do a commercial and today's commercial is wasp archery now i've been shooting a wasp head for a long time um even before i had the partnership with them i was using the jackhammer heads and uh, wasp has a variety of different heads right they got their fixed blades they got their mechanicals they even have a bow fishing head um, and they got some heads that are specific for crossbow shooters but i am a huge fan of the boss four blade Um, i'm probably going to shoot that head this year unless one of the guys from Wasp actually talks me into shooting their new head, which is um, uh, it's a design that they kind of cross uh, they've crossed with Havilon. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Havilon knives, but Wasp broadheads and Havilon knives have kind of came together on a new product called the Havilon. Uh, needless to say and it's a really kick-ass broadhead. so I might be shooting that one this upcoming year but my failsafe is always the boss four blade um, that's just a kick-ass head um, they have fixed blades they got mechanicals like I said mechanicals uh, are awesome as well for years I killed a lot of deer with the uh, jackhammers that they have those are the mechanical heads uh, so it's just Broadheads made from literally the best materials that money can buy, and uh, that's what you get. And you get a company that's based out of the US and they have a great customer service. You call them up, they're going to respond, and they're going to solve your problems, whatever they may be. Um, but the only problem I see is when, and it's not for you, it's for the deer that get shot by one of these broadheads because they die fairly quick. Now, you need to go to wasparchery.com and when you, de- when you do decide to purchase um, some of their products, enter the discount code 9FINGERS, that's the number 9 followed by the word FINGERS and you will save 20% off your order. So uh, take advantage of that before this season and uh, man, check their, check their heads out, they're kick ass. Alright, enough talking, let's get into today's epic story podcast with my man Brett Smith. All right, we got a three-timer here. So before I even say your name, how good does it feel to be on the podcast for the third time?
1: I feel like I'm one of the chosen ones, Dan. I, I, it's, it's such an honor. Such an honor. <laughs> I always
0: joke about people who have uh, been on multiple times and ask them, like, has this gotten you anything before, like a free coffee anywhere or a free oil change? Or is it it probably doesn't mean anything.
1: It's, a, it's been nothing but a life changing event for me. I don't know what those people are talking about.
0: <laughs> I love it. Brett Smith, how the hell are you?
1: good man how about you what's new oh man
0: just life you know uh three kids I'll tell you a quick story last night my kid felt one of my kids fell asleep on the couch and um so I'm like okay I got I gotta pick him up carry him downstairs done it a thousand times well last night uh and luckily everybody's okay I stepped on uh one of those hot wheel tracks (laughs) and I fucking wiped out hard (laughs) and I, that's like something you see in a movie. I know. And I I was carrying my son. So I had two options. One throw him. So he (laughs) got hurt and I could catch myself or B, hold on to him. So he didn't get hurt and I take all the punishment and I held on to him. And like, I like last night I was acting like a little baby. Like just like I couldn't lift my shoulder up my hand my hand was numb, and I'm sore this morning, lower back hurt, and I got this giant like goose egg on my elbow and uh uh but luckily he's okay, and I just you know when old guys you know I'm knocking on forty, so when something like that happens, I obviously make it sound way worse than what it really is.
1: Yeah, at least it wasn't that bad. If it was closer to elk season or deer season oh, and it yeah. ended up being something that was, you know, like a legitimate injury, that would be a <laughs> hell of a story. I, I would lie. I would just lie if I was you. Know, tell, tell people something way cooler happened. Yeah. Oh,
0: man, I was uh, on my roof and a big gust of wind blew me <laughs> Exactly. Off. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Cool, man. So uh, what's new in your world?
1: Quite a bit. Um, I started up my whitetail land management business earlier this spring. And on top of that, I'm getting ready to move to Kentucky. Um, my wife's got some secondary schooling going on down there, so we're going to be moving down there in the next month. So the hunting's going to be pretty primo down in that area. So I got all kinds of things I'm trying to get figured out and season's creeping up super, super fast. So we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess.
0: So you're, you're starting a land management business.
1: Yeah. So I started it this spring. Um, it's more so habitat management, land management. Um, yeah, doing the whole habitat management consultation thing.
0: Gotcha. What, uh, so a guy calls you up, says, Hey man, I want more deer, bigger bucks on my property. You're going to be able to go there, do some hinge cutting, you know, put a plan together for him, that kind of stuff.
1: Exactly. Yeah. We went and worked with a couple, uh, a couple of big biologists down South, you know, some of the, some of the more well-known ones that we went to some of the seminars like Grant woods and stuff like that, and really try to take in as much information, you know, as possible. I mean, obviously it was always a passion before that's something we had interest in. Um, And, and like I said, went down there and learned as much as possible and try to try to relay that over to customers and ultimately just get them on bigger deer and and deer more often. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah.
0: So is there uh, a big need for something like that? Because like, first off, you have to own land to be able to do this, or I don't know if some of your customers, Have long term leases. And second, you have to have the disposable income to be able to hire someone to do this for you. Is there a big need for that? I mean, is there, is that a, are you a hot commodity right now?
1: I think it's more of a need than people realize sometimes. I mean, if you think about all the money you really pour into, you know, doing the same old thing on the same old property year after year after year. I mean, a one time consultation could change the entire the entire ballgame. So, I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize how much it could actually help. And, and quite honestly, unless you're pretty diehard into the whole, you know, deer hunting thing or whatever it is. I mean, people don't understand all the things that can actually be done. They maybe think, oh, this guy's just going to come in and put a food plot in for me or something I'm already doing. You know, a lot of people, it's just hard for people to understand all the different things you could actually do for them. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Have you gotten any business yet? Oh, yeah, yeah, and that was the goal, just to kind of try and break even on some of my investments this year, and, and I ended up doing that, so I'm, I'm looking forward to moving it down to Kentucky. Um, it, where I'm at in the Green Bay area up in Wisconsin, I mean, people kind of shoot damn near anything, so it's hard to get people to really take the whole management thing serious to begin with. At least where I'm going down to Kentucky, it's going to be one of the top counties um, in the state, and they're they're repeatedly taking monster bucks, so I'm looking forward to getting some quality customers down there.
0: Yeah. Well, good luck, man. Hopefully it all pays off for you. I appreciate um, it. But today, uh, you know, like we're we're in the middle of this epic stories uh, session, season, series, whatever you want to say. And uh, so we've done like what, two or three of them already. Uh, let's say to, we're recording on a Wednesday. This Friday will be um, when this one launches. And we've already had... Two really awesome stories, and uh, this is a, a, a story that um, I think happens a lot, but the outcome is not good, right? Uh, so we're going to get into that really quick, but before we get into that particular story, I want to ask you, because this, this story you said takes place in 2014, right? Yep,
1: 2014.
0: All right, so how has the past couple seasons been for you?
1: Honestly, since then, it's, it's all been downhill for me that there was a lot of learning moments that took place in 2014. A lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of good things happen. And I think I've since 2014, I think I've taken about eight respectable bucks. So it's, it's been going pretty good for me.
0: Oh, not, not bad at all.
1: No, um, not you, bad.
0: You just been hunting in Wisconsin or kind of all over the place?
1: No. When, last year I was in Missouri a couple times um South Dakota twice. so I've been trying to get all over and like I said now I'm gonna add uh, I was actually in Illinois last year too. Um, but I, yeah, so I'm gonna be adding Kentucky to that mix this year, so I'm kind of excited and I know I sent you a picture. I, I know you get a lot of pictures you probably don't remember, but uh, earlier this spring, I found a Booner shed yes. in uh, in Missouri, yes. on, on some public land. so I saw that. I'm looking forward to getting getting on that monster hopefully pretty soon here.
0: And that's you said that's in Missouri.
1: Yeah, that's in Missouri, and like I said, I measured that one side, and I'm pretty sure if he had a matching side, um, he would be about a 165 last year, and it's kind of weird because I've been hunting this piece of public property for two years, and we've met people on the public property, and they've talked about you know a big deer being in this area, and he was hitting this field, and I'm starting to put all the puzzle pieces together, and I'm thinking it's the same deer, and I think my buddy actually saw him last year, and the crazy thing was we were actually hunting within 200 yards of each other during muzzleloader. And my buddy had a bow and I had a muzzle loaded and I never saw the deer. Yeah. So this was like a hundred yards away from where we found the shed. So it'd be interesting to see what goes down this year.
0: So knowing that that buck is on this piece of public, uh, are you taking any additional trips this spring or this summer or well, shit springs over, but this summer or early fall to
1: do some additional scouting. So like I said, we got down there this spring and we we did the additional scouting kind of got a good feel for, for these bedding areas and honestly where we found his shed and a couple of his beds, he, he's he's not killable. It's he's that smart. I mean, he's placed himself in absolute dynamite locations. But I'm I'm trying to get down there, and I'm going to wait till about the first week of August to go put a cell cam down there because I put cell cams down there in like July and it or even June, and it always seems like the battery dies right about prime time. Yeah. So the the more I guess the more intel I have during the season, the more helpful it's going to be. It doesn't do me any good to get pictures of them in June and July. So
0: yeah. And plus, I don't know about where where this buck lives, but for me, I, I always, and I always talk about it is there's a shift, you know, so summer pictures are awesome, but it, it really doesn't mean anything in the fall once the crops come out or, you know, once the acorns drop or once the food sources changes, you know what I mean?
1: And that's the thing. I, there's a big food source not too far from where he's actually spending a lot of his time, I think but it just all depends you know is that going to be soybeans this year so is it going to hold them a little bit longer in the early season it, it there's so many different variables you never know for all I know I'll never even see them i mean that's just how it goes sometimes yeah
0: crazy man well i hope hopefully you can get into that deer that would be uh that'd be one hell of a story
1: absolutely wow. fingers crossed yeah
0: i take uh, i take offense to that <laughs> <laughs> i had to throw that in
1: you got a second hand you're
0: good man <laughs> all right so this the story in 2014 um first off why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about how 2014 started um for you where were you at in your hunting career uh what were you after kind of just give us the like an update of what was going on at the beginning of the 2014 season
1: 2014 was kind of like I said the turning point I was starting to figure out everything you know starting to figure out the properties that I was hunting um a little bit better really understanding you know literally like, like finding actual buck beds and, and trying to make sense of why deer bed and where they are. And, you know, I started getting into running and gunning real serious that year. This hunt particularly was not a running gun, but just as, as a hunter, this is kind of the year that if I have to go back in time 30 years from now, I would say this is the starting point of when everything really got serious for me. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: So how did that season start off for you? Were you running trail cameras? Were you, um,
1: you know, doing a lot of scouting, yeah so like I said I was running trail cameras and like you said you, you always get that shift and in Wisconsin for me I don't know why our, our openers around the 15th of September every year and around September 1st as soon as those bucks drop velvet, I lose them uh, they always come back during during uh, during the rut it seems pre-rut you know third week third week of October they start popping back up so for the most part by this time I, I've learned to leave this property alone if I don't have anything on camera right away it's it's leave this property alone let let the deer you know kind of make it a little sanctuary and at least the does and hopefully that brings in the bucks later on and thankfully that's actually what happened okay
0: cool all right so um what what time of year did you end up harvesting the buck that is with this story
1: everybody's got their their money dates I'll call them three days and this is why I I live and die by November 7th because this is this is when it all started for me it was November 7th
0: okay so did you know that that this buck existed? Let's say the previous summer or the early fall.
1: Previous summer, I, 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 not not to my recollection. He might he might have changed some. I and mean, there's no history that I'm aware of, at least no. Okay, so no, this is a out of nowhere buck. Pretty much. Well, I, I had pictures of him in the, in the summer, but like I said, he came back. So other other than it, it was kind of a bonus buck in a way that I didn't know he existed before the season.
0: Okay, gotcha. So you had pictures of him in the summer, the shift happens, he disappears, um, and was this a buck that you were kind of actively hunting, or was it kind of, uh, you had other deer that you were hunting, and he so he just shows up, and he's like, of course I'm going to shoot him.
1: There's probably three probably three deer that were, were coming in at that point throughout the summer that I knew had a chance of coming back just because for whatever reason, it's a good doe bedding area and it always always seems like they do come back. So there's always other deer. It's not like I was holding out for just him, but if he was coming in, he was getting the hammer and that was there was no doubt about that.
0: Okay. All right. So why don't you walk us through what the terrain like was on this farm, um, where this buck was living, what he was doing um, to your best knowledge. Uh, Cause you know, obviously he just showed up out of the blue, but um, talk about this farm, how the deer used it
1: and whatnot. So this farm is about 90% CRP, red brush, thickets, stuff like that. And on the edge of it, um, is, is, you know, a piece of timber and that's where I'm hunting. So when I'm looking out into the CRP, a lot of times if deer are bedded down, I mean, I can stare out there with my binos. I know where there's a couple buck beds or, or doe bedding locations. And if I'm staring in my bin, I can't pick out deer. I mean, it's, it's hard. So, I mean, that's, that's obviously, obviously to the deer's benefit, you know, I mean, it's, it's thick enough. It's not a huge property at all, but it's, it's, it's thick enough where, you know, if, if, you know, if they're not seeing me and I'm not seeing them, then they feel safe. So like I said, there's a couple doe bedding areas that I know on, on this property and on the neighbor's property, just from, from, you know, being on the neighbor's property in the past, uh, tracking down some deer. And these bucks always seem to just jump back and forth, jump back and forth. So my idea is always try to get in between those two bedding areas. And that's how it ended up working out this time around.
0: Gotcha. So with it being such a big CRP, um, is it like, is it thick or is it A place that you
1: can do a lot of glassing there's a lot of grass in the in the front portion I would say but as you get closer to the back it gets super brushy and you swear you can see through it until you know all sudden something stands up out of there and and you 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 just never realized how thick it was yeah I go down there now and it's about six seven you know when I do my my late season scouting or whatever or postseason scouting I go down in these pieces and it's six seven feet of, of brush and grass i mean if there's a deer bedded down there's no way in hell you're ever going to see them it's
0: almost like you got to crawl on your hands and knees to get in through it
1: absolutely in some spots i literally do they have tunnels almost kind of burrowed through the entire piece yeah yeah um
0: one of my favorite properties to ever hunt was a piece similar to this where um imagine a, a square and in the in this square every corner of the square there was an uh like a drainage that all came down kind of to one, one spot. And it was like a giant X and I would sit right in the middle of that. I'd take one of the low spots in, uh, climb up in the, this big Oak tree. And I would be able to like glass this entire CRP field. And in the rut, some of my favorite hunts, one was 2011 in particular, I could watch this one hot doe come through and about, Four or five bucks, let's see, one was a three-year-old, one was a five-year-old, one was a four-year-old, and then later that night we had another 165-year-old come through that pulled all these deer in to this area. And you could just watch them, which was cool, but when they would come by me, they were chasing this doe so hard I couldn't stop them, or they were too far away. But I know the terrain, I know exactly what you're talking about, and it is... I like hunting a lot of different places, like staging areas. But mm-hmm. if I could find a CRP field like what you're describing, man, I I could. That might get me to
1: sit there all day long. Absolutely, because you don't even know what's even hiding in these little pieces. I mean, something could stand up out of nowhere. And same thing with this piece. This piece had a creek running through it, so there's a lot of good edge habitat. You know, they had. The CRP and then it runs into some brush and then a little bit taller timber where maybe it's like 20 feet tall. The trees are not big enough to sit in, but it's just super thick and tons of edge in this piece. Yeah. And the the shitty part about that,
0: at the same time as it is being awesome, it's crappy because if you're not paying attention in CRP, a deer can sneak up on you almost easier, in my opinion, than out in the timber.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I I, only, I can only imagine how many times I've never even seen the deer that are out in the CRP. I mean, let alone if, if you don't, if you have some wind where it covers their noise coming through that grass, they can sneak up on you super fast. Yeah,
0: even a big buck,
1: even a big yeah, buck. Yeah, absolutely. Right?
0: And then you get the invention of the cell phones and every once in a while you're pulling it out and you look and you're like, okay, there's a doe within shooting range of me. How did she sneak up on me? Uh, it's because my my head was buried in my phone. I'm a dumbass. Absolutely. <laughs> so So... You're you're on this piece of property, it's ninety percent CRP and thicket. Um where specifically
1: on this farm were you were you hunting and why were you hunting there? So there's through my access route, there's one spot that as long as I can make it the last twenty yards to my stand, it's bulletproof. If on a northwest wind, if I can get in there, you know, give or take the wind direction a little bit in either direction, if I can get in there on a northwest wind, I'm pretty much I created a food plot. Um, with, with screening and stuff like that, where I can get in there all the way down to, uh, it might be even the last 30 feet, 20, 30 feet. Um, it, it, like I said, bulletproof access, it was one of those spots. It was a small piece of property, but I had the perfect access where I could get away with hunting it or, you know, often, very often, way more than you should a small piece of property, just because by the time those deer would ever get downwind to me, they're already dead in that yeah. scenario.
0: So they're the, if they do get downwind, they're already in a shooting lane.
1: Yeah. Hands down. They've gone through a couple at that point. So like I said, it's, it's just bulletproof access and and that's allowed me to sneak in and out of there, you know, with deer within honestly 40, 50 yards sometimes and get in and out.
0: Gotcha. So are you hunting this food plot or are you hunting the transition to the food plot?
1: I've basically planted the food plot to be a stopping point in the transition. So, like I said, there's there's bedding areas on either side, and this was just a little extra incentive for, you know, to bring those deer into shooting range. Um, so, like I said, it was a combination of the both. Gotcha. Is this a big food plot? How many? How big nothing too nothing too crazy. I mean, it's probably about three-quarters of an acre. Nothing got too crazy, though. Gotcha. yeah.
0: I got a guy um, who I interview on the Iowa Sportsman podcast all the time who talks about how he one of his favorite places to hunt is almost like a a scenario that you're describing and on his farm it's he has his big food plots that the deer go to you know last couple minutes of daylight and they're out there all night and he likes to hunt these smaller food plots you know the quote-unquote kill plots Mm -hmm. that are in transition and basically all it does is it's he doesn't even plant them for nutrients he plants them for the deer to come out work the edge and go back into the timber you know get a couple bites t- to eat is is there another larger food source up down wherever from where that's the stand location's at
1: on two sides of it there's generally about like a 300 acre field of either soybeans or corn and then right on the back side of the other side of this property kind of you know on the edge of it there's also always another crop field so They're bouncing back, whether, whether it's the rut or not, they always have a reason to keep bouncing through this property. It's always a travel corridor, whether they're going from food to food or checking bedding areas. It's just got a little bit of everything in the perfect spot. It works out really well that way. Yeah. All
0: right. So how many times did you hunt this particular stand before
1: the day that you killed this deer? So I probably got out there. I'm going to say opening day. And then by that time I learned this property well enough. There's no point in any, even though I had bulletproof access, there's no point in me going out there and even chancing anything. Cause although you sometimes have bulletproof access, you just never know what can happen. So I'm waiting until the rut. So also, of a I, I, I get out there for the rut and I mean the deer are moving like crazy. It's just a matter of getting a shot at, at, good bucks. You know, I saw a couple decent ones, but like you said, sometimes they're running around so fast you can never get a good look at them. Um, So I'd probably say I had, by that point, it was November 7th and I was hunting it hard that whole week because I knew that was my best piece and that's where everything was showing up. So other than the opening day, the past five days, I'd say I was in there somewhat consistently. Gotcha. Um,
0: is this a morning location all day, evening morning? It always, it's always a hot morning spot. Okay. All right. So you're going in, in the dark. Um, so after you know once you've been in there a handful of days you've been seeing deer but nothing of the shooter caliber um how long do you typically give a spot before you move on and you're like hey, man I'm not
1: seeing what I want to see here not, most times i mean i'm i'm pretty i'm a i'm a one sit guy and i'm moving if i'm not seeing the sign or whatever it is but just because i had past history with this property and knew it well enough i knew once November 6, 7, 8 starts rolling around, you just never know what what's going to come through. So I had a lot of confidence in this property. Sometimes more than I should, or I should, and I've I probably overhunted a little bit in the past, but it always seems to it, at least give me an opportunity in that time frame. It's really weird how it always works out. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right, so if the wind, it, you said northwest, right, was yep. the wind you needed. Um, are you hunting this on... If even if it's hot in there, are you hunting this stand location on an off
1: wind, let's say, like a straight west or maybe something out of the south or east? West, I can I can swing it. It's still safe enough. It's a little bit risky, but sometimes you got to play those risky winds. Um, so a west wind, I'll get in there. And even, like I said, you say it's hot. Once again, this, this property has a little bit of everything. It's got that creek running right through literally where my stand is, and there's a pond not far away. So it's got a little bit of everything. But I'll, I'll swing it on a west wind, but anything else starts to get pretty risky. Yeah.
0: Okay. So... The, I take it with you saying this is a morning, uh, stand, uh, was this a morning hunt when you, when you ended up killing the steer?
1: Yep. Morning hunt. Okay.
0: All right. So I want you to walk us through this, this, uh, this hunt,
1: um, from the moment you step out of your truck. All right. So get out of the truck. Um, and as soon as I get out, I mean, I, I I knew I looked at the weather app and I knew what the wind direction was. I knew it was in my favor And it's, it said it was like five, six miles an hour. Well, I get out to the stand and it's dead calm. Yeah. Dead calm. I mean, you, you love, you, you kind of, there's, there's different variables that come into it. It's good and bad having that. But I mean, when you're in the stand, I mean, you can hear everything for miles, but the problem is getting to the stand. Yeah. And like I said, I've got tons and tons of, of, you know, deer. As soon as I get close to the stand, it's always, like I said, that last 20 yards, it's make or break. So. I get out of the truck and it's not a long walk at all, Um, but it takes me – I'm saying I'm probably walking 250 yards. But when you're walking through the CRP grass and there's no wind, I mean it's brutal. So it probably takes me 45 minutes to crawl in and and I'm, I'm moving in, moving in and all of a sudden I get about halfway there and I'm in the CRP grass. And also and I, I just hear a rustle really really quick or a, a rustle of the grass about ten yards in front of me. And this is where it starts to almost get like uh like there's 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 trails with, with brush on each side. I can't really see a lot, it's pitch dark and also and I hear this rustling of grass and I can hear footsteps and I'm like, There's no way. This thing is it's still pitch black. And all of a sudden in the in the trail right in front of me, I shine my flashlight up and there's this dinker six point buck just staring at me. Like, like he wanted to run me over that time of year. And so I'm thinking, you know, uh, I hope this thing doesn't run me over. So like I said, I, I walked right up on him in his bed and he ended up just walking off. It was that time of year. I mean, he was, you know, pretty confident. 20. Yeah, we got bottom line. So finally, it, like I said, 45 minutes, I get all the way to my stand um, the last 20 yards Got lucky. I could hear stuff running around off in the distance in the CRP chasing. And uh I got to my stand and it was, it was, you know, I was good to go. So I got up there and I'm sitting and all of a sudden daylight starts breaking and I can hear stuff out in the CRP. But like I mentioned to you, it's it's so thick that you can't really see what's going on. Yeah. So I can hear stuff, I can hear stuff, and all of a sudden, I hear a snort wheeze and that's the first time in my life I've ever heard a snort wheeze. I questioned it. I was like, there's no way I've seen this on the outdoor channel. I'm pretty sure that's what that was to actually hear it. And, and, you know, out, out in the, out in the wild. I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy.
0: I'll be honest with you. I can remember the first time I heard a deer snort wheeze and I about lost my shit. Like I was so jacked up when I heard that, that I was, I don't know. I had to basically talk myself out of rattling and uh, grunting and just going crazy back at it. Um, And I eventually saw the deer, but he didn't come through.
1: He he was too far out to shoot. But I I got geeked when I heard that. Absolutely. I mean, automatically you you assume that it's a mature deer. And the the crazy thing was, was, I checked the camera on the way in. The buck that I ended up killing was in there the night before. And little did I know, he actually broke off two tines that night. Oh man. Yeah. So he was he was all wound out wound up about something. He was fighting with somebody. So it worked out. You know, like I said, he he snort wheezed, and so in my head, like I said, I'm thinking this is this is a, at very at the very least an aggressive deer. Hopefully a mature deer. And so I go and I reach down for my grunt tube, and I got the old like is the Primos I don't know what it was called. I had a Primos grunt tube. And for whatever reason, instead of having like it around my neck or, uh, you know, in a pocket, I had, it's got like that elastic strap where you can like strap it to your arm, you know, and like bring your arm up and you can just blow on it. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah. So it's, so it's on your arm.
1: Yeah. 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 So it's on my arm, but it's on there in a weird direction where I couldn't really get at it. So I decided it's on my right arm and I got a, a wrist strap release. So I, uh, it's on my right arm. So I decided I'm just going to pull it off over, over my sleeve Um, Over my release and and grunt to this buck. So as I'm going to, like I said, I I I go to pull this grunt tube off of my sleeve. I'm pulling, I'm pulling, pulling, and all of a sudden I hear something clink hit the stand. And I look down and I watch my release tumble down, not only to the base of the stand, but this tree. There's enough rain this year; it's in a crick. My release drops into a crick, about a three foot deep crick. And this is right after this buck snort wheezes within a hundred yards of me. I can't see him yet, but I know where he is.
0: So what's the first thing that goes through, uh, you know, other than, oh shit, what's the first thing that goes through your mind after you
1: drop this release down into the water? I think we've all maybe had this scenario where maybe you forget your release or whatever. And the first thing is like, can I, can I three finger this? If if, if this happens, can I, can I pull it back with my fingers? And every time, I mean, every time I've even tried, like I've tried it a couple times, there's no accuracy. I mean, you, you can't do it. It's, it's, it doesn't work with a compound bow.
0: So, so was the water clean or dirty to where you could actually see it from your tree stand?
1: I knew that I knew exactly where it dropped, but I couldn't, I couldn't see the actual release. It had leaves and crap in the bottom. So I, I kept an eye on exactly where it dropped. But nonetheless, I'm 25 feet up, and this buck's 100 yards away. Now what do I do? All right. So now what do you do? Uh, well, like I said, I contemplated three-fingering it for a little bit. <laughs> and finally, I'm like, there's, there's no way I can pull this off. Uh, he doesn't really even know I'm here. That for there, there's, no, there's no 100% chance that he's coming in. So I was like, I, I, I got my grunt, too, but it's, it's useless without my release. I mean, if this deer comes in, I can't shoot. So now I start creeping down. I start creeping down. And I get halfway down and I can see him. He's coming. He's coming in my direction. How fast? Uh, he's, he's moseying. But like I said, it's, it's that super, super calm day. Ended up almost being no wind. So thermals are rising. And so he's coming slowly, slowly. So as he kind of takes a couple steps, I go down. I keep going down. I keep going on. Finally, I'm kind of reaching, trying to feel for it with my foot and I got lucky right away. And I kept one hand on, on my sticks to go back up my stand, reached down in the crick, and thankfully it was right there. If it went to Ben, this deer probably would have walked. Yeah, he would have walked within 20 yards of me um, with me on the ground. So thankfully I got it, <clears throat> grabbed the release, start climbing back up the stand only when he was walking, got back in the stand, and then then I got situated after that. All
0: right, so – was this, was this something that happened real fast? Like you dropped your release and as you started to climb down, you're halfway down, you see him was the rest of that like real quick or were you going real slow?
1: So you didn't get pegged. Thankfully he wasn't moving super fast. So I was able to go slow. It probably took me, well, I mean, in that situation, it was probably took me three, four minutes, but in that situation, that's a long time. I mean, every second that you don't get busted is a miracle. Yeah. So it it took me it took me a little bit to get down there and get back up, but I somehow magically ended up pulling it off. So I got back all the way up to my stand. Didn't even need the grunt tube at that point because he was he was coming. Um and so he's coming, he's coming, and all of a sudden he gets to about twenty yards and he's behind a tree. Um and I go to pull back and I, I can't get the shot at him. So like I said, I dropped this release. I get back up on my stand. I slide it on. At this point, he's he's within like 60 yards. When I first originally saw him when I was grabbing my release, he was probably 80 yards, I'm saying, out, and he's slowly making his way towards me. So I get back up in the stand. I'm going to say he's about 60 yards out. But like I said, there, there's a lot of thick – Thick brush and stuff like that. I'm I'm able to to get away with a little bit more. There's certain certain areas where if he walks behind something, I can get away with a little bit of movement. So now he's on my right side. I shoot, you know, normal. So now I got to turn my whole body. He comes in, he gets about 20 yards, and I I can't get the shot.
0: Okay, so you you drop the release, you grab it, you get back up there without this deer knowing, and you get situated, and he's coming through. And now he's in a he's within shooting range, but he stops in an area where you can't shoot him. Yep. All right. So, are there other options for this buck at this point? Does he have to come through an opening to get out of this thicket, or can he
1: skedaddle somewhere other other direction? He, I mean, if he went back the way he came, which he had no reason to, the wind was in my favor. That would have been that in the basically the direction that he went were the only two bad options I had. If he went to the left, he was going to be in an opening. If he kept coming to me. It would have been perfect. I would have slammed him at you know five ten yards in a wide open a wide open spot. For whatever reason, this buck decides he, he's coming straight at me. Coming straight at me, and at the last moment, he, he's behind this tree when I when I go to shoot him the first time. And the first just, time, the uh, well, I didn't sh- I didn't shoot. I went to shoot him. I didn't oh, okay. I did pull the trigger. Okay, I thought this story just got real interesting. <laughs> no, I, I got pulled back, and so. He walks in, like I said, and I'll, I pull back and I can't get a shot. And for whatever reason, he veers off. And now he's going in a direction where I have no shooting lanes that I'm aware of. And it's it's one of those things where it's the most gut-wrenching feeling because all this crazy stuff just happened. I snuck into my stand with no wind, uh, got up in the stand. I knew this buck was there. And now all of a sudden he snort wheezes. I dropped my release. There's just so much going on. And he gets within 20 yards and now I can't get a shot.
0: So you can't get a shot. It's just it's a
1: waiting game at this point then, right? Pretty much. And like I said, he's not moving fast, but he's veering off in a direction that I can't get a shot. It wasn't straight away from me, by any means. It was angling away, and we, I mean, it wouldn't be long where he was completely out of range. There, to my knowledge, there was no gaps that I could even pound one through if I had to.
0: Okay, so at this point, are you getting more and more and more fired up, like buck fever or are you because some people when they see a big deer it's almost like for me i would rather have the encounter happen fast so i don't have time to get nervous as opposed to seeing a deer a mile away and then have it completely you know i put my binos up i identify that it's a shooter and then it takes its sweet time coming in it's almost like i get really fired up at that point as opposed to a quick encounter Where were you from, like, a a buck fever from 1 to 10 at this point?
1: (laughs) 12. 12 all day. Jacked. The fact that I, like I said, all this is running through my mind that I pulled this off up to this point. And now it's not only that you're jacked up, but also he's coming at 20 yards and and he turns. And if I would have been, I could have shot him, you know, coming in at 20 yards, but I'm not going to shoot him straight on. I see too many other opportunities where he could go anyway and give me at least a quartering shot. So I'm not going to take the shot. So now I'm super worked up. And then he turns. So now I'm panicking. And we've all been in that scenario where all of a sudden you're like, all right, I'm going to slip it through there. I'm going to try and slip it through there when you, we both know damn well we shouldn't be taking those shots. Right. So we, I'm just trying to find this hole as he, as he slowly moseys because throughout this process, he's walking super slow, super slow. I mean all the way from when he was 100 yards out, which thankfully gave me enough time to get situated in the first place. But all of a sudden comes to 20 yards and he starts veering off. And he's going in this direction that I can't tell that there's, there's any – you know there's any gaps Well, he's walking and he makes it about another I'd say 15 20 yards to a spot and I'm trying to range trying to find spots that he might cross into and I find one gap that I've never shot a deer through before I've hunted this stand quite a bit and I hit the rangefinder and it the rangefinder shoots through it it's not crazy small but it's it's starting to get to the point where eh, I don't know if I should be putting it through there but I think I can squeeze it in it wasn't it wasn't one of those I'm trying to squeeze it through a 3 inch gap but when you're shooting out to thirty eight yards, there's a lot of arc in, in in your arrow. Especially with me, I'm shooting a heavy arrow. I'm shooting the FMJs, so it's a it's a heavy setup, so there's a little bit more arc. And I punch punch through the the rangefinder, it says thirty eight yards. And I pull back right before he he uh hits this gap and he magically stops in it. I didn't I didn't have to grunt at him, I didn't have to do anything. Wow. And so yeah. So like I said, all of a sudden I shoot, and it everything in my life just went into slow motion. It's like I'm pretty sure this is going to cross through this gap. I'm pretty sure it's going to cross through this gap, and it crosses through the gap. And it's sailing, 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 and I thank God that, like I said, I was using the heavy setup because I smoked him right in the shoulders. But it blew, th- it, it blew through far enough where I got enough penetration, and he ran out of distance. And now when you first make that shot, you're kind of like – it looked good, but you knew you hit shoulder. So you never really know what's going to happen. So
0: you said to yourself, okay, I hit shoulder. I was a little forward in the shot, but, you
1: know, I got enough penetration where it went through the shoulder. I at least got one lung, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. So like I said, well, the thing is I didn't really know this till after because everything happens so fast. I mean, you yeah. shoot the deer, and within two seconds, he's gone. Yeah. So I, I, knew, I knew where I hit him, but it's just a matter of the amount of penetration, and I didn't know you know, how much of that, that really was until I ended up getting down there, which was hours later. So now I'm going, uh, I waited it out because like, like I said, went in doubt back out. Yeah. So I backed out, waited for a buddy and it was the longest four or five hours of my life. So you waited five hours till you went back to the stand to go check for blood. Yeah. So I shot, I shot him at literally probably six, 40 in the morning or so it was something it was, it was early yeah um you know right at the first 15 minutes of, of shooting like something like that and now I got to sit and wait it out and like I said I, I've I've done it in the past I've had certain broadheads where I've shot deer in the shoulder and it, I mean it's it's a complete failure so now this is running through my head and there's just so many things that are freaking me out so yeah I ended up waiting about five hours waited for my buddy and then we finally took up the track gotcha uh
0: now when you start Uh, looking for blood. Did you see blood right away?
1: No, we didn't see blood for the first probably 40 yards. So you kind of, you watched him run away. So you kind of knew the direction that he was going. Yeah. So I knew the direction he was going in and based off his mannerisms, looking back at it, he was running hard. I mean, something, it, it, you know, it's not like he was just unfazed. He was running hard, but so many things go through your head at the time. I mean, it's hard to really focus on that and think back to it and try and remember it. Yeah.
0: Okay. So when, uh, how long from
1: when you found blood, uh, to the time that you ended up finding him? Probably another hundred yards. It ended up, like I said, it got in there perfectly. I mean, it it jammed through actually both the lungs, but at the time I couldn't tell because it happened so fast. I was shooting through a semi thick area. I mean, visibility was low as soon as he passed through this gap after I shot him. So like I said, I I heard the contact. I knew where it was, but never really knew how much penetration there was. So like I said, we go about 30, 40 yards and there's no blood. I mean, I can see the foot tracks where he's running and then it just started opening up. Yeah. And then it was easy from that point on. Yeah, it was, it was, it was super easy. And and then I put my hands on, on my first ever mature buck. Um, he was all rutted up, big neck. Um, I'm thinking he was, he was at least a four year old, just huge body. He was nothing crazy in the antler department, but he was a scrapper. Like I said, the night before I literally have trail cam pictures on the night before and he had all his tines, and he busted two of them within, right. little, within 12 hours of when I shot him. Okay, so I want you to describe
0: what this buck was before you shot him in the antler department. You said he was probably a four-year-old, but describe his rack just for the listeners for a visual, and then uh,
1: tell us what one of those antlers then broke off. So he was a, he was a typical nine-pointer. He had four on his—or no, he had three three on his right side or well he had four four on his right side and then five on on the left side and he ended up busting off it was his I'm trying to think now it was his g3 on the right side yeah he ended up snapping off that night and then also on the left side it would have been his g4 he ended up snapping that off so on both sides he snapped off You know, it's some decent points on on each side, at least on the, on that right side that, that, uh, it would have been his, yeah, his G3 that he snapped off Gotcha. on the right side. He he snapped a considerable amount off of that. Right. So so like I said, I, I had pictures of other big bucks, but I can only imagine what he was scrapping with or what happened literally 12 hours before I shot him.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So is this the biggest buck that you've ever shot at this point?
1: At that point, it was, it was by far the biggest buck I ever shot. And the most, like I said, the most impressive thing about it was just the body. That's how I knew. I, I One thing, I mean, he had the mannerisms of a mature deer. He was, he was snort-wheezing. He was super aggressive. Or maybe he was just an aggressive deer. You know, there's always that possibility. But when I put my hands on him and I looked at how big that body was, I, at that time, I've never killed a deer that big, especially in the body department. And it all came together. And it was like, this is what it's all about. This is what you're chasing after, like, And, and ever since then, that's when I've truly become just absolutely obsessed with whitetail hunting. The first time you put your hands on a mature deer, like I've hunted my whole life and I've killed a couple other good deer, um, you know, maybe with gun or or whatever. And, but the way this one all came together and putting my hands on them after the whole scenario and seeing how big that body was, it, it was the most amazing feeling and I'll forever be addicted to it because of that day.
0: Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's uh, that's what it's all about, right? I, and if you've never had a scenario where you've dropped out, you know, dropped something from a tree stand, I, I feel like that that happens to me once a year, and then I have to um, have this conversation with myself: like, is whatever you dropped out of the tree stand important. Right. And I go through like the hierarchy. Right. So I have to have a, I have to have a release. Right. So I got to go down and get it. But if I, if I grunt a, uh, a grunt or if I drop a grunt tube or my rattling antlers or something else out of the tree, like I remember one year I dropped, um, one of my insulation layers off down at the tree at the bottom. And I said to myself, I think I can tough this out right? And by the end of the night, I was so cold and shaking that I don't know if a de- I would would have been able to shoot a deer if it did come by me.
1: Right. So. Yeah. And like, like you said, there's that hierarchy of, do I need that? We've all dropped stuff, but now all of a sudden I hear a snort <laughs> wheeze. I don't, I, I don't know what's coming in yet. And it's my release of all things. Right. I might as well have just thrown my bow out of the tree at that point. I was useless without my release. Yeah. So yeah. for, for me to get all the way down, halfway down, see him and, I don't know how I got back up, turned, and and pulled the shot off. I don't know how that one ever came together. I'll never completely understand. I mean, there's a lot of luck involved. That's all I can say. Absolutely, man. Absolutely.
0: Well, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on the podcast for the third time and, uh, you know, chat with me today. Hopefully, this gets you at least a free coffee somewhere.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: Fingers crossed. Again. Fingers
1: crossed. Fingers crossed. All right, man. Hey, have a good one. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, huge shout out to Mr. Brett Smith, man. Thanks for coming on this shitty podcast <laughs> three different times. I really appreciate it. Huge shout out to each and every one of you who stick out and listen to every one of these podcasts, man. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying this epic story season because there's a lot more, Uh, coming. Um, Huge shout out to all the partners of the podcast, Hunter Safety Systems, Lone Wolf, Ripcord, Wasp, Ozonix, and Prime. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because when you do that, that means they're giving me money and I can continue to do what we're doing here, uh, putting great content out for your ears and uh, yeah there's that now if you haven't already please go to iTunes leave a review and be sure you are subscribing to whatever podcast on the Sportsman's Nation that you are liking if you like the Nine Finger Chronicles please go out and subscribe to the nine finger chronicle standalone feed. If you love all the content that's being put out by the sportsman's nation, please subscribe to the big game feed and the Whitetails tails feed. Um, and here pretty soon, we're going to be adding some more great uh, podcasts as well as a feed that's dedicated strictly to fishing. So we're going to have the, the network version or the fishing version of the, the network feed as well. So uh, keep an eye out for that other than that hopefully everybody has a great weekend happy friday everybody go out and spend some time with the family and if you're going to be in a tree our friends at hunter safety systems are reminding you to please wear your damn safety harness have a good weekend